back to the Game of Thrones recaps of uh, on the TV podcast. We're back. It's been a year, but we're back. I'm Jason Snell. I'm joined by the people that I would want to be joined by for a season premiere of Game of Thrones. Monty Ashley. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. We're back. We are back. And we have Brian Just Hamilton, like we never too. Left. Brian, hi! Master Snell, I offer my services once again. That's right. Well, you have to kneel and say the words. I, I am kneeling. You just can't see it. Oh, it's okay. an audio medium. It's, so. Audio kneeling <laughs> is the best kind of kneeling. Uh, so what? season six, episode one, The Red Woman. Uh, at the end of this episode, my wife turned to me and said, so we, this was the check-in episode. And I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. episode one of the season of Game of Thrones kind of is the check-in episode where it's like, get everybody like, this is where they are after what happened to them in the season ending cliffhanger. And this is sort of the general direction they're heading in just to get, this is why they don't check in with everybody in epi- every episode, right? Because <laughs> you would get like four minutes of everybody. Exactly. It did feel fast because they had to just clear out the cobwebs. Yeah. Right. To be fair, something super dramatic did happen. It's just in the kingdom we don't care about at all. I, yeah, that well, that's actually what I said to Lauren. Is uh, she was like just a check-in episode? I said, except for all the people who got assassinated in Dorne. Yeah, <laughs> like that place has been turned upside down. Yeah. There's a whole new rulers and eh. yeah, because Dorne, because it's Dorne. I'm not sure we care. I honestly would not have been surprised or disturbed if Dorne had never been mentioned again. Yes. I I like it, I agree. I guess there's more we need to see from them. I, I guess. Uh, Is there anyone left for them to kill? Well, I mean the 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 sand snakes are in charge now, so maybe we'll never see them again. Maybe that's it. But I I think I think the <laughs> argument is that the the um, Lannisters have been messing with Dorne, and so Dorne's going to mess with the Lannisters. In the in the books, there's a lot of like other plot threads that seem to be happening in Dorne, but that those all seem to be the pro- plot threads dropped by the TV show. So I'm not quite <laughs> sure why we're still there. And of course, we're off the map in terms of the books now. So I'm completely baffled about why we're still seeing uh, things happening in Dorne. I, I did. It is. The assassination of the prince was not surprising, right? Because, uh, I mean, they with once they killed Marcella at the end of last season, it seemed pretty clear that they were not going to be able to just um, chalk that up, up to, like, a misunderstanding, right? It was like, no, 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 we disobeyed your orders and went ahead and killed the princess. Uh, so I think he was, he was pretty much doomed. I wasn't surprised at all that they, they killed him and his son. And his bodyguard, and his the bodyguard? cool guy with the axe yeah. that I like. Yeah. You seemed really sad about that, Monty. Well, I liked that dude. And last season, a lot of the uh, preseason stuff had to do with the fancy weapons they use in Dorne. And they talked about the one girl's whip, which she was going to use inside in a small room, which looked like a bad idea, by the way. Yeah. And somebody's spear. And this guy's axe. And it never really came into play last season. So this season, I was like, oh, we're back here. Great. Here comes this guy with the axe. And, oh, he no. Stabbed guess, in uh, the back and is dead. Maybe we uh, just follow the axe from now on, see what adventures it has without the him. The key line I wrote down for Dorne is just, weak men will never rule Dorne again. I thought that was, I, I thought that was kind of fun. That was, you know, but again, I, I, it, I, it's funny. Thanks for bringing it up, Monty. We led with the place we don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> that's because that's the place where something happened. It's true. It's true. They killed, they killed uh, Dr. Bashir and they killed the, the prince by giving the old pick who will kill, pick who you will fight trick. And then the other one kills you from behind. Don't ever listen to the sand snakes. They are not trustworthy. Um, 
let's let's go let's go where where should we go next uh how about uh how about marine where Tyrion and Varys are <laughs> having a a nice walk uh on their own through this through this deserted city streets of this strangely deserted sound well as you know bob i hope Varys knows something about sunscreen because it's the only sunny location aside from the dothraki and his bald head is shiny yeah, you get him a hat that's yeah. Well, it's weird that I thought at the beginning of that scene they said we're wandering around like common people. No one can tell who we are, but couldn't everybody tell who they were? Uh, well, I, I'm not sure anybody knows who they are. I, I right? I mean, like they're both. Varys is is a very new person to Marine, and and Tyrion. Uh, that's the thing is, if people know who Tyrion is, then they, I mean, they're going to be able to spot him because he's kind of unmissable, right? I mean, as soon as they go outside. Hey, did you see the fat, bald weirdo and the real short guy? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're going to get around. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe this is their one chance. All right. Well, no one knows who they are. I mean, the fact is that Game of Thrones lives in a world where no one actually knows where anyone looks like, even though we can hear stories of, oh, this person is blonde, this person is beautiful, this person is an imp. Like, all those little things, you know, we've seen uh, hookers that look like Daenerys, and mm. even though, like, they've got all the traits right, that's not, you know, Daenerys. So the fact remains that there's no way they can actually be recognized unless, you know, there happens to be an important character over there anyway. You need like an oil painting or a statue or something for you really to have some idea of who they are, I guess. Express shipped over the sea. Yeah, that, that'll definitely work out. Yeah. yeah. If you've been king long enough, you might be on the money. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, like your profile stamped into coins or something like that. But there's not a lot there. Although I think... I think the person who we only see briefly looking at them throughout like cracks in a in a shack probably knows who they are, right? There there's the implication that they are actually being watched, I guess, from that because otherwise why would you show a person looking through slats at them? But um <laughs> nothing really comes of it because uh uh there there are loud noises and a bunch of people run past them and this was a moment that I thought was kind of interesting as a personality test which is when you see a bunch of people running in one direction <laughs> what do you do do you run with them because something is either bad that they're running from or exciting that they're running to or do you do what Tyrion and Varys do which is run to where the people are running away from to find out what they're running away from and that's what they choose to do here but I'm not sure no, I no. would the lightning shows that them. way yeah it's like oh they're running that way there must be something good over there i'll run with them <laughs> but that is not what Tyrion and Varys do uh the boats are on fire i was wondering what was happening and if there was some sort of dragon accident but it turns out that they that the uh i guess the the sons of the harpy have uh have uh set the all the boats on fire which uh raises the question what has been the reason for a daenerys plot up to this point it's a good question because she spent a lot of time building up a navy, building up an army, and then all those boats she got excruciatingly cl- scratching and clawing. Oh, they're all gone now. Yeah. At least it's a change of pace, though. I'm, I'm really excited that this is yeah. not another uh, liberate a city season. <laughs> yes, this year, Daenerys moves to the next city and starts again, or learns all the burdens that are necessary for a, for the leader of a city. Um, I don't know. I got the sense from this episode, and this is what's freeing about not having the books to even worry about, is I got the sense from this episode that maybe Daenerys is sort of fated to return to Westeros on a dragon, like, with nothing. Because all of her attempts at uh, building up her resources in the East have uh, seemed to just keep 
keep failing. But um, she does have, among her assets, she does have three dragons that are, you know, not quite hers, but ish, you know. They know her. Yeah, they know her. She could probably work If you love them. something, let them go. Yeah. And maybe they'll take you to Westeros. Yeah. Given that her primary claim to being the ruler of Westeros is that she's the rightful heir of a previous king, it would seem a little weird if she, she actually just used foreigners to take the whole place over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm, that is with the, with the boats on fire, because I always sort of thought that the, the, eventually they would take the, you know, she'd bring her army and, and, and all of that. But now I'm thinking it's the other story here, which is in the end, I suspect now that maybe she's just going to go back on her own um, and not worry about building an army and uh that that's kind of interesting although um i guess we should get to that so she's she's um we we see jora and her boyfriend whose name i can never remember mm-hmm. uh that guy uh yep. and, and and the greatest finding of a needle in a haystack ever yes. there's an entire sea of grass <laughs> and there's like a ring and then this giant what is it like 10 feet wide center section and jora is standing there and he just looks down at his feet and the ring that she dropped there is in the yeah. very deep grass I, mean, I don't know if you've ever dropped something like a like like a, a bolt or a, or you know some something or a coin in the grass and you know you dropped it at your feet and you can't find it, but he finds this ring in the long grass immediately. So, Lucky Jorah, I guess? In this world, we have metal detectors, but I guess uh, <laughs> there they just have Jorah. <laughs> he just goes out onto the beach on an evening and finds everybody's keys. <laughs> this is a show with zombies and women who miraculously age and smoke monsters and all this other stuff. And Most this women is age, the Brian. single most... <laughs> implausible thing i've seen in the show yes. so far yeah, come on you can't find a ring in grass that fast come on like how long can it take him to find a million dothraki if he found a earring i expected like the both of them to get off their horses and like walk around in the circle looking for clues and be like aha look at this oh, i yeah. found a ring but instead he's like here hold on to the reins of this horse i'm just gonna i'm just gonna step down and oh a ring Okay. I uh, yes, that was the most by far the most unrealistic thing in the episode was how easy it was to find a ring. Um but out in the desert uh d- uh in a very different location, the desert the desert landscape. She's there with the the Dothra- the Dothraki. So th- this is what's interesting is that you know, it looks like uh, f- at least for now that Daenerys's story arc this year is is uh is very different. She's been really set back. She's sort of her city is still there, although there's this civil war going on very slowly, but she's off with the Dothraki um out on the deserts and not in a position to just demand that she be well at the end of, of her little segment uh she does demand to be sent back to her city but it doesn't it doesn't work um so it'll be interesting to see where she goes this season um i'm a little concerned that this that this is like uh I mean, it may be a stalling tactic, but I'm also like, you know, we did the Dothraki. We had a year with the Dothraki. I'm not sure I am feeling nostalgia for season one right now when when we get to the segment. Let let me propose something, though, because. All right. This time she's not she is not meekly submitting like she did last time. So we're seeing first time we saw the beginning of the cycle when Daenerys was in the hands of the Dothraki. This time she's looks them in the eye and says, you will not do that to me. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they're not going to rape her, which is a nice change. Yep. 
Instead, they're sending her to the land where all the Dothraki widows live. Yeah, so it's a it's a cool thing. What if that? Because she. What if that's her new army? Yeah, well, an army of the the, the widows of all the old cows who've been deposed. Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, the, uh, how great is the Dothraki culture that they're like? No, 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 no. You can't sleep with the the widow of a cow. Uh, but the bad news is. <laughs> <laughs> they get yeah. sent to the to the the nunnery. Basically, they they go over there. Well, I was kind of hoping the answer was we throw them on the fire, which <laughs> eh, I already did that once. We're fine. But no, I really yeah. think we're gonna have some fun scenes with her and the widows, and I'm kind of picturing the uh, Volvolini from Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, oh that would be incredible. Lot, That's what I'm hoping for. Lots of lots of uh, comedy comedy bits of like uh, you know, oh you know when my call uh, lost his horse, boy. You know, I, I don't know, like, like you know, that's the thing about calls. A lot, a lot of, lot of uh, yeah. Khaleesi humor, I guess. Like Sex in the City in the Desert. Yeah. How, how did your call die? I cut his throat and all of his, what are they called, Khaleesars? Yeah. I don't think these are going to be meek widows. I have I have high hopes for where this could go. All right. All right. Or, or especially given the fact that widows. Especially given the fact that we're in uncharted territory, maybe they could have learned something from last season how they really screwed up in terms of representation of women and maybe yep. they're going to do better this season. Could be. Could be. It's nice that although Danny is in a position of weakness here, uh and and we know that the Dothraki as we know from season 1 uh, are are uh, rapey, right? I mean that, that her, yeah. her her uh, her relationship with Drogo does not begin anyway. Yeah, problematic. Uh, but here she's like, aha! I know all about your culture, and um, and so we don't go. They don't go down that path again. Thank goodness we don't need to go down that path again. Um, However, we did get that uh, exchange where they talked about what the best thing in life is. Yes. And I was certain one of them was going to talk about the lamentations of the women, and somehow they skipped that line. Yeah, but I, I, I thought that was the best thing. I thought that was the best thing in the episode. I absolutely love the that that little scene all in subtitles where he's like, oh, one of the greatest things is seeing a naked woman for the first time. And his, his buddies, the call says that, and his buddies are like, well... <laughs> Beat it, killing another I mean, call, or taking over a city, or and he's like, "Yeah, okay, fine." One of the five best things uh, that was that was really good. <laughs> yeah, that was that would not work. I I think that wouldn't have worked necessarily if it had been in English, but as subtitles with gruff Dothraki <laughs> guys talking about it, it made me laugh a lot. That was that was pretty great. BuzzFeed's top five things in Dothraki life. Yeah, <laughs> I would almost not mind hanging out with those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I like the I like the fact that the other two guys. I mean, it, it is it, it has been done so many times, but I thought it was really great that they're saying all this stuff, thinking that she can't understand her as they're taking mm-hmm. her, and then and then uh, and I'm like, well, that's Daenerys is really smart. She's not going to reveal that she knows about about the the Dothraki until she gets there. But the the thing that made me laugh again was the moment where she does speak. They have the cutaway shot of the two jerks looking at each other like what <laughs> that was that was hilarious oh <laughs> she speaks our leg oh no like yeah that was really funny it's just dumb but funny uh hey over in uh in bravos uh aria's uh looking for spare change mm. uh and then her this was her, weird yeah, her friend from the temple shows up finally. She gets uh, her second coin of the day. And then her friend from the temple shows up and gives her a stick and uh, beats her up a little bit. That was that. Was that. Thoughts? Very short, uh, unsatisfying, given how bizarre 
last season was, and I wish there was more. I feel like they're really stalling with Arya. This may just be every season, maybe or every episode, maybe this. Like she shows up, gets hit by by uh, the lady with a stick again, and uh, we don't. She's just in it for one minute, getting hit by a stick for the whole season. Could be. No. What are you guys talking about? This is the first scene of a Shaw Brothers kung fu movie uh. where somebody <laughs> is blind, somebody shows up to teach them. Naturally, when you first learn fighting, you just get beat up a lot, yep. especially in a kung fu movie. But give it four or five episodes, she's going to be a blind master stick fighter. And uh, then look out, because she's going to be awesome. Yeah. And every time you see somebody in the background who seems like they might be blind, you're always going to be thinking, is that Arya with mm. a fake face on? I think uh, I think you're you're probably right, Monty. Um, I, I think I think that's probably her her path here. She has to learn things and uh, and be a little humble after her her transgressions last season. But she's going to be the blind killer. That's not humble. That's awesome. Well, they like the the faceless men. They they want your to you to be like a humble assassin. They want some humility thrown in there. I think. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to speak for the faceless men. They they uh, they can do their own <laughs> PR. Um. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about King's Landing. So Cersei's still got her short hair. Um, she hears that she's told that the boat is coming in from Dorne and she goes down and uh, and discovers uh, that it's just Jamie and presumably, you know, Marcella's uh, dead body. And and Cersei is racked with grief, and then we sort of like move ahead a little bit, and she has a conversation with Jamie that um, that I th- actually thought was uh, I thought was kind of great, um, including the line uh, one of my favorite lines from the episode, which is I thought she was so she was so pure. I thought if I could make something so pure, maybe I'm not a monster. Um, which, you know, you can't, you can't deny that Cersei loves her children. And I really felt for her in this moment that although Cersei is kind of awful, um, she is awful often, you know, for a reason. And often it's about protecting her children and losing, losing her second child here. Um, she obviously is, is, uh, you know, questioning everything about her life. And I, I, I thought that was a pretty, I thought that was a pretty great scene, uh, between her and Jamie too, and then he sort of like tells her to uh, to uh, to get it together, and that that they're gonna they're gonna unite and and fight. But I I, I really liked uh, I really liked that scene with Cersei. What did you guys think? For me, uh, the the word that stood out to me in that scene was pure. If I could make something that pure, I wouldn't be a monster. Her idea yeah. of purity is blonde haired, blue eyed, and <laughs> Lannister. And that yep. leads to a whole bunch of other problems that have been very, very widely explored in the rest of the show. Uh, you can't do that. Well, Marcella seems seems sweet though. Like she didn't seem conniving or 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 evil or you know any of the things that maybe m- many other Lannisters are. She just seemed like a sweet young girl. And I think I think maybe Cersei thought Marcella is not like me. Like like maybe when she was that age, she was she was already being you know, twisted by her father, perhaps, into being the person she is. Um, but uh, that she sort of took pride in Marcella not being like that and uh, didn't matter in the end. Well, it's easy to seem pure when you only got two minutes of screen time yeah. per entire season. It's true. And most most the of her screen that- time before that last nice sweet scene last year with Jamie, most of her stuff was like spring break in Dorne, right? <laughs> She's like, yeah. I love the prince. We're going to get married. It's so great. You know, you put, just wear some sunscreen. Woo! 
And then here's a Snapchat of my daiquiri. Yep. Yep. And then she gets poisoned. The thing that stood out to me was Jamie promising Cersei, we're going to take back everything they've taken from us, which I don't see how you're going to do that specifically in the case of Marcella. She's dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Maybe there's someone that can help with that. It's a good. It was a good, uh, good uh, pep talk, though. I, I really like that. That that uh, Jamie Jamie uh, cast uh, prophecy, fate, and everyone who isn't us to the to the wind. There, right? He was like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and that that's Jamie. And uh, I, I realized I had that moment there where where uh, where Jamie and Cersei are, are are talking, and then and then he's sort of like giving her a hug, and like we're we're us against the world. Where I thought it's funny, I've come to be much more charitable towards Jamie. And not towards Cersei. And in this moment, I like that he's giving her the pep talk, but I still don't like her. <laughs> it's like, I don't really know what to think of Jamie you and know, Cersei speaking, anymore. Speaking of prophecy, I thought it was interesting that the episode did not start with a cold open. Like, normally the seasons start with a scene before the opening credits. Oh. Yeah, they just kicked it into gear. Relatively low gear, but gear nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's, they kicked it into neutral. They are check- the engine a little. <laughs> they're check. They're checking it in. Well, I mean, l- literally, they just start where the last season ended. I think you know, quite purposefully wanting to pick that up. But yeah, it it, it is. Um, it's a, you got to be a low a low uh, a low rev right there of, of the engine. Um, oh, so one other thing we see in in King's Landing is we get to see uh, Marjorie getting uh, getting lectured and and uh, threatened by a Septa. Uh, who demands that she confess, and then uh, the High Sparrow comes in, and she says, "I have nothing to confess." Um, and he says, "Really, have you uh, have you committed no sins at all?" And she admits uh, that she has, and he says, "Ah, oh, well, you've started down a long path now." Um, what did you think of what did What did you think of that scene? That was uh that was. I feel like we may be seeing a path out for for Marjorie here from the High Sparrow. Didn't we see that same scene last year, though? Yeah, oh, yes. I don't remember, but probably. That's why they played it again, is so that I would remember it this time. Right? I'm, I couldn't like, remember what, what her sins were other than covering up for her brother. No, that was it. That it was, was it. conspiracy for... Uh, it, it was conspiring with homosexuality, which was her sin. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so it's very familiar. It, it's sort of it's sort of like it hasn't really gone anywhere. Although I do think that the message here that 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 Marjorie isn't getting is that what what she's been as, being asked to confess, perhaps there are things she could confess that are not, you know, like start confessing things that 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 you've done. And there's probably a way out for you. He actually seems to be the high sparrow seems to be saying, look, I can get you back to your to your husband, the king. But you she need... doesn't care about the king. She cares about her brother. That's the only one she asked about. It's and true. Her brother mm-hmm. is in another room being yelled at. Yes, being berated by a, by a lady with a, a Bible, basically. Um, I like your theory, Jason, that this is some kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, let me help you get out of here uh, for your sake. But I don't read that from his performance based on the really intense double talk from uh, him and Cersei last year where uh, they were talking in code the entire time. I didn't get that from him this time. I don't know. I just I, I feel like his message to her, I mean, he, he obviously may have a much more complicated game, but his message to her is basically, you know, you're not without sin. So just start confessing like and, and then maybe the answer is at some point you will con- have confessed enough for us to let you out. But she's she's in a really weird spot here. Marjorie is right, because I, she kind of hasn't done anything. He and I feel like in, in some ways, the 
I mean, the reason that the High Sparrow may, may be keeping her is largely because the king does care about her. I think the reason that both Marjorie and Loris are being kept is that the uh, High Sparrow and his crew considers homosexuality a sin. And what they want her to confess, and she'll be allowed to leave, is that Loris is gay. Yeah, that could be. That could be, which is, it's a difficult, yeah, I I don't get the High Sparrow. I'm not really entirely sure what game he is playing here. Because he couldn't have won last season after three shames and a ding, right? That was just one play in the game. Well, he's cr- trying to create like a popular, you know, a, an insurgency against the royalty. He's, he's he, he strikes me as being like a... Uh, uh, almost like a like a I don't know whether it's like a Lenin esque figure, but he's kind of like the guy who is the rabble rouser, but not necessarily the the one who would actually end up being capable of running the whole show. But he could probably start a revolution uh, and 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 lay low a lot of the people in high places. Um, but I, I, I he's a little. The mo- the characters the most impenetrable for me on this show uh, in terms of their motivations are the deeply religious characters because I'm unclear given that this is uh, uh this very specific fantasy world and we've got you know we've got the 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 old gods and the new gods and the red god and all of those things going on I don't really know how to read Melisandre and I don't know really know how to read the High Sparrow um, are they are they just the flawed people that all these other characters are, or are they conduits for some sort of religion or God that I don't understand because it's part of this fantasy world? And I think that may be where I get hung up on the High Sparrow. Monty and I were talking about this a little bit earlier where, you know, everything that else that happens in the show with the zombies and the red woman and all these other weird face switching things, religion is not a far cry from that. We've seen, you know, religious things happen that have real consequences like the smoke monster and all of those extra things the fact that there is these kinds of religious cults not, not even cults but like the fact that there are these religious cultures while you know this magic stuff is happening and all that's going on why isn't there more scrutiny over them or why isn't there any more you know debate about what is real what isn't i feel like in this world especially there's some kind of um, actual god that is eventually going to show their hand by the end of the show because everything is so far reaching that there's no way some kind of deus ex machina is going to come in and you know destroy mm-hmm. everything but you know it's not a far cry from the magic we've seen so far yeah in a fantasy world partly because of the impact of D and its clerics you expect that some number of the gods will turn out to be real and actual and take a hand in things and then you'll be able to say all right well you guys were wrong, you guys were right, and for that reason I kind of have trouble getting too worked up about the people talking about the Lord of Light. Mm-hmm. You know, they sound like religious fanatics, but if they're correct and the Lord of Light does exist in this world and does want human sacrifices, then, well, I don't know, get sacrificing, yes, I guess. Just start building a bonfire. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's exactly it. That's like the Lord of Light. We, we've seen Melisandre's power, and we could say, well, that's just magic, but she really believes that this is the power of her god that she's channeling, and maybe it is. I mean, we we are we are being led to a a a, a battle between the forces of darkness, essentially, and or coldness, and and then and the forces of light or 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 warmth or humanity with the with seeing the 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 White Walkers, seeing the others up in the up in the north. So if the if they exist, then uh, 
the other gods may have a may have a factor and of course the old gods and the trees and stuff we also have a link there to bran who we didn't see this mm-hmm. time but is coming back soon i believe uh we missed him last year uh th- those yeah, are the i wouldn't say we missed him bob yeah well that's true fair <laughs> enough fair enough we we missed him in the sense of looking for him and not seeing him not in the sense of wishing he were there necessarily but uh but those are those are the old gods uh or at least maybe related to the old gods and so maybe the tree people and the whatever he's doing in that cave with the tree people will uh, the children of the forest will be uh, related to, but it's just it's it's just hard to get a read on these religious characters because they may just be people who have beliefs or or power hungry people who are using the belief system to get what they want, uh, but they could also be like literally. Uh, doing the work of a higher being who is about to intervene in in the plot, and there's no way to tell right now. Uh, okay, we have two, two. We have two big spots left. We have Winterfell. We should go there first. Uh, Ramsey is yes. uh, is really sad that his his girlfriend was thrown <laughs> over the wall by uh, well. by. Uh, well, no, he was like, oh, oh, she was. Good. He was sad for a couple of minutes. Yeah, and then he had her body fed to the dogs. Which you know, given that she was the kennel master's daughter, is uh, fitting. What, were they worried that people had forgotten that Ramsay was a creep? Is that what happened? I think so. I think you're, this is your reintroduction of oh yeah, remember how yeah. bad this guy is? Yep, he's that bad. Um, but but we also get to be reminded that his his father, Roose Bolton, is uh, also a creep and is the kind of person who who probably helps generate somebody like Ramsay because he's also a little mm -hmm. more practical oh sure but he's awful but he's he yeah and 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 cold but totally totally practical in a way that um that that uh that that Ramsay isn't and Ramsay and it's it's, Ramsay had a line that I thought was really good which is I'll pay them back a thousand times over and it's like yeah you know it's not really about paying them back is it it's about that you're a sadist and this is and and totally um self involved (laughs) but uh yeah, yeah, he's awful. We remember. Ramsey Ramsey goes out of his way to be evil, whereas Roos doesn't mind if you're evil as long as you don't get in the way of family business, which this kid does all the time. Yeah, yeah. I keep like, waiting. I, just I'm not keep sh- Sansa locked up. I, I, that is simple. I, I keep wondering if Roos is going to be the answer with Ramsey at some point. Instead of one of our one of our uh, heroes, one of the people we're rooting for, finally get, taking this guy and killing him, I'm starting to wonder if it, it might just be Roos Bolton being like, you know, because he says, oh, well, you know, the, uh, maybe uh, maybe w- Walder's uh, daughter is uh, going to have a boy and I could use him as my replacement instead of you. Uh, because cause he <laughs> says, you played your games with her and now they're both, you know, and, and, and uh, with uh, Theon and now they're both gone. Like, you did this. If you had not had your fun, she would still be here and she's the key to our whole plan and you totally screwed it up. And he and he's not wrong, right? I mean this is yeah. this is this is Ramsey's real flaw is that he can't keep it together and have his fun while <laughs> executing his plan because he he just he doesn't have that level of self control. Whereas Roose Bolton, while an awful person, has got it, you know, has got it, uh, he's gonna execute his plan. That's number one. Flaying people is number two, I guess. Flay people once you win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you when, once once the game is over, but don't celebrate before uh, before the game is won. Um, so Theon and Sansa are on the run. They jumped off of that tall uh, wall, but into a snowbank. And we don't we know that's a this is a case of them moving ahead a little bit. I was afraid that the, all we were going to see of them in this episode was like getting out of the snowbank. <laughs> Be like, wow, that was a big <laughs> snowbank. Cut to something else, and we don't see them again. But no. <laughs> 
We see them all. They cross a river, a freezing river. Um, Theon Very is, nearly a uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin reference right there. Mm, crossing they, a frozen river while being chased by dogs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Good one. I have to admit, my, <laughs> my biggest exposure to Uncle Tom's Cabin is through the king and I. So <laughs> you're oh. not missing much. It's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, small house of Uncle Thomas. Um, the uh, but they cross the river, and Theon is like leading her on and, and being her guide. And I, I think it shows. I think it is. It, it's interesting that this is Theon's strength doesn't stop with him rebelling. There, he is also, you know, committed to to getting her uh, across the river. And then when they hear the dogs getting, they, then they stop to take a rest. I'm thinking you can't stop. You have to keep going. The dogs, they're still coming for you, but no, they stop to take a rest and the dogs come closer and he goes out and says, no, no, she's dead. And that's totally a failure. And they find her in like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's all, it's all for nothing until you knew it was going to happen. Right. Until I didn't. No, I had a no idea. Surprise no. to me. Really, I was I like, thought, Brienne's out there. She's out there. She just killed because we had that funny, funny line earlier where if, uh, if we find out who struck the killing blow, I would award the man. I'm like, it wasn't a man. It was Brienne. Uh, so no, she's I was, out there and looking for Sansa, right? So she rides to the rescue. Sure, it makes sense. But in the moment, I was thinking they're just going to get captured again. What was the point of all of that? <laughs> oh, hey, it's Brienne. Yeah. Awesome. And Pod. And they kill all and those pie. guys. It was a lot. Except for the one guy who uh, who uh, Theon kills. Yeah. It would have been nice for Sansa to par- take part in all that. But I know. Yeah, she was very but passive. But she just was, she just was at her tree, just hanging out. Mm. I, I was hoping that she would you know, do something, too, which she didn't. But still, I thought that was exciting. And for, for people who say that this show doesn't have some... Uh, some it's just all negative and there aren't any wins this was a win right like yeah. they 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 were completely going to be recaptured and instead in rides brienne with pod and she just slices those guys up all those guys who work for the boltons and saves the day and we're left with uh her kneeling to sansa and saying the words and uh and and being i thought it was really sweet too that they have to prompt sansa she can't she remembers some of them but not all of them <laughs> yeah. i thought that well, was just really like- great I've always felt that Brienne, her main motivation is all she wants is to pledge her sword to somebody worthy. Yeah. And she thought she had that before and it didn't work. And yeah. Another with Renly and, and then yeah. with uh, with uh, uh, Lady Stark and that yeah. didn't that didn't work. And so she's like, OK, well, then I'm going to go for the girls. I said I would protect the girls. So if I can find one of the girls, maybe I could so, protect them. And here it is. She got found one. Got it. You can hear the pain in her voice. It's great. Yeah. So my theme in this episode is constantly thinking, this is the start of a great story. And maybe it is. Maybe this is where mm. Sansa dedicates herself to be being worthy of Brienne and starts to be a leader. And this little group of four people yeah. is the start of her army and her march to being something. Yeah, with the help of Pod and Theon, maybe. Maybe. Well, Pod will be an excellent squire and he knows all of the uh, etiquette and all of these house signs. So if Sansa ever gets back to being in charge of a castle or something, Pod will be very handy in that situation. Or he might die next week. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? And then Theon, I I think that's a really interesting question of where Theon goes, because he is trying to reassert himself after his, 
you know, original sin of betraying the Starks <laughs> that he's got that he he's uh, he's paid a lot of prices for that. But then here he is. He's done a little bit to save Sansa. Um, I, I, I am concerned that that um, he's pointing them north to the wall where bad things are happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least he's not saying, come on back to my place. Yeah. I don't think the uh, Greyjoys want him back. No, 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 I don't suspect. I, I did I like the problem. line from the guy who says, "Who says I, I can't? I can't wait to see what he'll cut off of you next." I thought, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, we're all thinking it. I had f- completely forgotten about that till he brought it up, and now I have horrible, horrible flashbacks from watching that episode for the first time. And it was awful. Yeah. Mm. I have a problem with the way that they're setting up this season. Uh, given the fact that every single little check-in ends with a little kind of, it, it's nice to have something to hang your hat on and say, okay, this is what we're going to expect for the next few weeks. And it's going to be nice to see where things are going to go now that we know that Brienne is swearing her allegiance to Sansa. Now that we know that, uh, Daenerys is back with the Dothraki doing this. I wish that this is the sixth season of the show. I wish that those kinds of arcs were not so consistent. Part of the reason I was a little bored last season is because things didn't really change. It was all these check-ins for, you know, advancing these plots a little bit at a time. And I wish that there was some, maybe half season arcs or something. Maybe something radically changes in two or three episodes because things have been so consistent throughout that. Yeah. I'm expecting all four of them to be, an adventuring little clan for the rest of the season. I wish something else would happen. Well, I think that that's the big mystery, right? Is, and we all share it now that because there are no books to look at is, are we going to spend a year following this foursome through uneventful, uh, you know, adventure here and there to get to a, an exciting thing in episode 10 or Mm -hmm. is, or are things going to happen faster? And with the, with the producers sort of saying that they're only, whatever 23 hours of or at this point 22 i guess hours of game of thrones left i'm not sure i believe them but something like that that they think that after this season they'll do 13 more episodes and be done again probably a lie but let's just put it out there i'm not sure they can afford <laughs> to and since they don't have the the books to kind of like adhere to as much i'm not sure they they can afford or want to put these characters in the deep freeze and just have them kind of off in a parallel story so i'm hoping that these guys are close to the action right they could go south and find things to to do that were interesting uh they could go north uh and and get into whatever is going to happen at the wall or they could run into Littlefinger and be enmeshed in you you know whatever he is up to there there are some things they could do and i hope they do something right where where they're interacting with other characters in the main plot because i will be really disappointed if they end up in a in a cul-de-sac basically for for the season um that would be no good so 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 that's the question right is they all these people are on these trajectories and they could be interesting or they could be really boring right right president says cul-de-sac yeah but it is definitely time to start recombining plot lines and like meeting people back up it's too spread out yeah well we're we're getting to the end here i mean even if i i'm not entirely convinced that they're that they're right in saying they're only going to have 13 episodes after this season. I do feel like they are closing. This is where the threads start to come together. That the last season was really this low point where everything looked bad and everybody was unhappy. And this is where you start to see people getting some wins and uh, characters starting to come together and the plot 
plots starting to mingle and coalesce into the you know the final push for the end uh and they don't have you know with 10 episodes and all of these different plot strands they don't have time to dawdle at this point they can't you know send you know in this episode we spend 20 minutes watching watching uh the foursome uh decide where they're going to stay for the night and fight a couple of bad guys like that's just not we we don't have time for that and i i think i i think we don't have patience for that either um let's go to the wall this is the this is it this is the big one it starts and ends this episode um we yep. we uh it all begins with john snow's dead body and uh <laughs> just lying there in the snow when they know there are ice zombies yeah sloppy well those guys are not the sharpest uh sharpest guys so i like it that the onion knight comes out because he hears the the wolf the dire wolf is barking ghost is barking uh and howling oh yeah there's a dire wolf here isn't there yeah you know in the books they say he's always by john snow's side i always forget he even exists well cgi dire wolves are expensive um let's get a big white dog i know i know um but they they have uh and then and a big white dog in like little sets shoot him like the hobbit <laughs> right wow that's a really big dog <laughs> yes uh, the door he's the size of that door but it's actually a small door um the onion knight and uh and the guys who are close to the brothers who are close to john get john's body um and they and they bring it back to to uh the onion knight's quarters and i like that i i, I was re-watching uh the hard home episode the other day and i i thought to myself um there's no way that the guys who were there and saw the the onslaught of the White Walkers and the and the and the, the and the dead army uh, would uh, question why John did what he did, uh, but that's just it. There were there were some there, but th- there were not that many, and so those guys are like Dolores Ed, and you know those guys are are on John's side. So they're there with the Onion Knight, and they're very upset, and they go get the wolf. And so I thought that was I thought that was really interesting. And they um, and there's a really nice bit where Onion Knight's so wily, so wise. He's like, um, you know, I, my it's my considered opinion when they when they knock on the door, uh, when Alistair Thorne knocks on the door uh, and says surrender by nightfall and we'll let you leave or this ends in blood. He's like, it's my considered opinion that they will kill us if we open that door. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yep, yep. I, <laughs> I really I really like that. The Onion Knight is not going to fall for your crap. Uh, Sir Alistair, it's not going to happen. Um, and they have a they hatch a plan, right? They they uh, they send Dolores Ed, I assume, to get the Wildings, right? Because they 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 will the Wildings will 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 fight for them because Jon Snow saved their lives. Uh, but that's quite a quite a and and I assume that's what it is. And there's a look on their face, like, are we really going to do this? Because that is like siding with the Wildlings over the other members of the Night's Watch and potentially slaughtering. Almost yeah. everybody in the Night's Watch, if they if they if they do rather than like running away, I don't see how this doesn't end with everyone in the Night's Watch dead. Yeah. Which they kind of have it coming, but <laughs> they do. One thing the show has convinced me of is you need somebody up there, don't you? Yeah, although right There's now going- it's the it's the worst. Right now it's almost <laughs> entirely the there, there'll still be Sam. He'll be he, Sam Sam who's being shipped off. Maybe the only survivor of the Night's Watch. <laughs> you need at least somebody with the Raven to say this blue guy and his horde of a million unkillable zombies is coming. Right. 
Right. Well, maybe that's what those... you get when you send all the horrible people from society up to the wall to try to protect exactly. everyone. It's not going to work out. Yeah, it was a bad system. But I, I think that was... In, Easy in, to it, find fault. In the story, they say, I think that, that originally it was like honorable service, and then over time it became just a place. They, as, they, as they believed it was less important, they shut down all the other castles and, and sent only their criminals up there. And, you know, this is... You could argue, I guess, that um, if you're really trying to save the world at the wall, these are not the guys you want up there. <laughs> Well, if there wasn't a giant civil war going on, there would have been lots of extra soldiers and right. unwanted third sons. But, you know, the whole country is a foot thick in blood at this point. Right. I wonder if the wildlings end up being the, you know, the people who are at the wall um, instead. But, uh, yeah, mm. it sounds like something bad is going to happen there. I, I think it's interesting that, they, that they're doing that, though, and not. I kind of figured that maybe they would all just try to escape. With Jon Snow's body and the Red Woman, and they would all just kind of like, and the and the direwolf, and they would all just kind of take off. But instead, we've got this uh, this sort of uh, siege going on. At least for the moment, they're in that room. They don't want to come out. Uh, you know, the Onion Knight wants some mutton for his journey. What? <laughs> Look, I need to eat some stuff. But he's just messing around with with uh, Sir Alistair. By the way, Sir Alistair, there's that scene where he explains that he and all the other officers killed John and that guy has some stones cuz like he, <laughs> he it's amazing. He's like, "But let me tell you why. I, yes, I killed him, but let me tell you why." And it's because of loyalty. Loyalty well, was the foundation of this. And I never disobeyed him. Like, "Oh my god, that is amazing, right?" Like like I I killed the guy who's in charge because I'm loyal to him well he's a he's a scumbag but he's an honest scumbag Uh like he does things for reasons and he is at least willing to stand behind them yeah it's it's i mean he's he's giving it enough uh enough of an excuse for everybody to to wants who wants uh to move on or who wanted john out to just kind of nod and be like yeah okay that's 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 fine but it is just total crap it's it's amazing though like to to be to have the confidence to say ridiculous stuff like that in front of a crowd anyway and was like look loyalty to not say he had to go but to be like i am i was loyal to him but i had to do this and i'm sure he believed it our 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 commander was giving us orders based on what he believed to be true but i decided that it wasn't and killed him well well, to sir alistair the reason the night's watch was there is to hold back the wild lakes. Right, not the not the White Walkers, and that's and, the, the fatal mistake. Yeah. If you accept that premise, then what Jon Snow just did is... Yeah. Um, I, you I, can tell he's not trying to rally people behind his decision. You can tell he just wants to not be killed by everyone. He's like, okay, listen, let, just let me go. Let me please do my thing. This was for loyalty. He's not trying to rally people behind him. He's just trying to you know, push the blame somewhere else for a little while while he what? figures things out. And, and that's the arrogance of this guy. And, and, and I think that uh, Onion Knight uh, says it right. He's like, you know, this is a power play by Thorne. Like, this was very clear. Um, it's, it's, it's transparent to him because the Onion Knight knows all. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this guy. He doesn't. The Onion Knight uh, knows that Thorne, you know, Thorne's, this is all part of his plan. This is all part of his game that, you know, he will say that he'll go through the motions of having a, having an election perhaps, but, you know, everybody knows what's going on and that he's, he's just assuming that, that he's, uh, he's in charge and, and he's going to put this all behind them. But, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to happen, clearly. Mm-mm. 
Um, I really did like, uh, there are a couple other lines in here that I wanted to mention. I really liked the line when they're in the, uh, in the room. Uh, if you, if you're planning to see tomorrow, you picked the wrong room. That was really great <laughs> to the onion knight. Who's like, no, no, no. I think we could, I think we can get out of this. I got, I got some, there's some games we could play. Um, and I like the, the outrage that John's friends have about what happened that you really feel. Uh, I believe the line is John was my friend. Those fuckers butchered him. Right. I mean, that was great. I thought that was great. Like they, you really feel like he was a person. These are people. They were they're They're infuriated by what happened. Uh, that, that I thought, I thought that was all great. Um, and then, uh, and then that leads us to our last thing, which is well, hang on, hang oh, yeah, on. go ahead. Something else I want to say about John Snow. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're all expecting him to get resurrected at some point. Yep. Given that he he's currently dead, but nobody thinks he's staying that way. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, therefore, that there was a whole scene in King's Landing where Cersei went on about bodies rotting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how cold it is at the wall, but eventually, isn't a body too decomposed to usefully resurrect? Well, it is. It is cold there now, and he was laying in the snow. Um, and I, although I don't know how magic works, maybe you resurrect somebody after they're decomposed and they're more zombie-like or something. We uh, haven't I, seen. I thought, we haven't seen under the armor right, that of the. Mountain. There was a scene. Yeah, but there was that scene yeah. where she was describing what happens to a dead body, and we've got a dead body right over here. Yeah, Bl- but it's only been in about a half blood. hour. So it, far, she's setting it up. It's a foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, given the pace of the show, they're not going to be spending too much time there. And who knows? Maybe it's only a few days by the end of the well, season, and maybe they decide to resurrect him then. Well, I think I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, although, you know, I'm glad it sort of didn't happen in this episode. When they, they didn't even get that close to it yet, because uh, yeah. that's obviously one of the story they want to tell. But the fact <laughs> that they took the body and the fact that there is this deadline where they surrender by nightfall or this ends in blood, right? They're going to have yeah. to deal with this. And then um, and then the Red Woman is is there. And, you know, and we, we see in the in the last scene that she's got she does what she does which is take off her clothes that's a thing she does um <laughs> and so she does that and then she takes off her little necklace and we find out that she is like ancient she is an ancient ancient lady who is who looks young through the power of the magic in her in her necklace and she goes to bed cuz she's very old and tired mm-hmm. she goes to bed cliffhanger fade to black <laughs> what will her will dreams she sleep be well Will she get up to get a drink of water? Tune in next week, true believers. Yeah, I, Will she I really, remember her arthritis pills? I really thought that the ending of this episode, just going into it, would be um, her saying something about, ah, I can bring him back. But no, we just like, nope, Jon Snow's dead. We did take his body and have it with us. <laughs> I no hope reason. they remember to stitch up those holes in his stomach before they bring him yeah. back to life. So mm-hmm. Otherwise, that'll be a pretty short second existence yeah <laughs> assuming that he two things, needs blood at that point two yeah. things about the red sure. woman uh one is that you know they didn't call this episode the red woman for nothing and i am a little upset that they didn't spend as much time with her but maybe that's what they were going for like an effective little tease of what's gonna happen as we go because the whole buzz for the past year has been is she gonna come back is Jon snow gonna be resurrected and we're all pretty positive he will be but i don't know this is an interesting little tease given the episode was called the red woman and second this is the first time we really see her this 
distraught. Every time we see her, yeah. there's an expression on her face where she's she, she doesn't know what to do. And this one person really seems to give her pause about her powers and what she is bent to do. We saw last year that killing um, killing the child at the stake didn't really help. Who knows? Maybe yeah. she has doubts about her own magic as well. She told uh, she told uh, Stannis that he was going to win, and he didn't. She saw Jon Snow <laughs> return to Winterfell, and he's dead. And so she's really questioning herself. This is her crisis of faith here. And and yeah, I mean, we're all we're all wondering if perhaps the way that she realizes that she can solve this is by bringing John back to life, and then he can fulfill her vision, and then everything's good. But she right now she's she's uh, doubting whether she actually has. Uh, you know, has the stuff and whether, whether, uh, the favor of, uh, the Lord of Light has, has, uh, has uh, left her. Uh, which is interesting because all of us are thinking, no, 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 come on, lady, we need you. <laughs> we need your magic here. <laughs> For the first to, time in this whole season. Seriously. Yeah. We, we need you to take care of Jon Snow here and uh, bring him back to life. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, that was this episode. So, you know, there's some stuff that happens, but there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of table setting, a lot of first episode, table setting and I, I think like we said earlier i think it's kind of hard to judge this as an episode because it really is yeah. just putting the pieces back on the board at their starting places and we don't know where they're going to go from there and if they go someplace interesting that'll be great and if they kind of are in a holding pattern that will not be great agreed i mean this makes me wonder like, for the people that are binging the show uh and they want to go from one epic season finale to a next season premiere they're going to be bored because the writers and producers of the show are assuming that everyone who's watching has had to wait a year between seasons at this point. And that just doesn't happen anymore, except for right now. I, mean, I have convinced myself that a lot of these stories will be going interesting places. They may be going other places. I hope they go somewhere. Yeah. It's too late in the show's run to just spin their wheels for too long. I think, I think that's it. I think, I think, uh, the combination, if I believe anything about this season, it's that it, we're late in the game and the books are off the table. And so the producers of this, they know how much story they've got left and they better damn well give us the story that they've got left, right? They, they, I don't think that there is anybody planning on 12 seasons of Game of Thrones, right? They, they are, they are, are at least getting into the final act of this story. And so mm -hmm. these, these, all these threads need to be going somewhere. And in the past, some of them have gone somewhere and some of them have meandered because, quite frankly, the character lines in the books meandered where characters would kind of not do anything for a book and they take the book off. And uh, and other than Bran, who they just were like, forget it. <laughs> they, they instead sort of like try to find a way to get these actors involved with and have their characters do something. But it's sort of like, in the end, they didn't do anything because we just had to you know george doesn't need you yet basically right and now we're mm -hmm. at the point where i feel like all of that is out the window and hopefully all of this stuff will be quite purposeful from here on out but we just won't know until over the next you know nine more weeks uh, we'll 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 find out but uh, you know i'm hopeful because because you know they do have to end this and they are planning on ending it it's not one of those eternal, like, until the series becomes unprofitable, season 48 kind of things. They they are working toward an ending, whether it's in, uh, you know, 22 episodes or, or, or longer. They are headed for that point. And, uh, and so that gives me hope that, that, you know, 
a story stories do need endings and you do need a climax so i feel like we 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 got to go there i remember when the last eight episodes of breaking bad came out the thing i thought would happen in the series finale happened in the first episode of that season and that is when i said yes this is going to ramp up i am not feeling that with game of thrones yet well they have so many different through lines that that i do feel like the producers just feel like they they you know the previously on game of thrones can only do so much and that and then they they really want like everybody gets sort of two beats they get a reminder of who they are and then like a little step in one direction and that's all they get and you know most other episodes don't have every single plot line in it for good reason because this is what you get you get almost nothing from (laughs) anyone everybody's there doing nothing is not great which is why they they end up having like three or four threads in a in a show instead of seven Uh, but this one that's what we get is the two-step it's who are they remember and they're headed north (laughs) moving on right but uh but yeah i think i think we'll know soon right i mean this this uh, it will be interesting to see the pace of the plot of whatever threads get picked up next week um what you know what what we see because that narrative momentum has always been a problem with the show right that there's so many plot Mm -hmm. lines that nobody gets enough time with the occasional exception of a special episode that is largely in one setting like the Blackwater, um it's mostly you know a very small amount of screen time and uh well it'll be interesting to see if they can kick it into gear and give these characters some real momentum that would be nice it would be yes. nice yeah yeah i was happy to be in the world though i was happy with this episode just because i am happy to to you know reconnect with these characters and 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 anticipate you know, potentially going into, into, into good new, uh, fun places in this season. Um, and so I was kind of that, you know, that it's, it's, this is enough for now. Um, because I know that they tend to do this and because the, the, the proof will come in the next nine weeks more than in one episode, I think. All right. So we meet meet back here again next week. Yeah, that sounds some, about right. S- some measure of sure. us, some or all of us will be back here next week. Talk about yeah. episode two. That's how it works. Episode one, then episode two. Following. Kind of traditional. Yeah. What if we talk about episode four next week? Blow yeah, I prefer minds. machete order. Interesting. <laughs> well, if you can uh, if you can get the screeners from President Obama, <laughs> who is the only person in the world who gets them in advance... Uh, but uh, otherwise, we'll be back next week with uh, our discussion of episode two of Game of Thrones, season six. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening to the TV podcast coverage of Game of Thrones. I have been Jason Snell, and I would like to thank the other people who have been here. He has been Brian <laughs> Hamilton. Hi, Brian. Goodbye. Night gathers, and now my sleep begins. It shall not end until my alarm goes off. And he has been Monty Ashley, and hopefully will continue to be. <laughs> That is exactly what I have planned, but I have some plot twists that will amaze you. I can't wait to see what happens to you this season. (laughs) Hopefully you won't just be on a long carriage ride for a while. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.